0: Carrie here. Welcome back to the Wheelie Stagey podcast. Yes, finally, we've returned from our inadvertent and rather lengthy interval we had after our last episode in February. Of course, it's now October. Now, you lovely listeners, being the wonderful observant lot that you are, will have noticed that I haven't introduced my dear friend, P.A., and trusty producer, Shelley. Alas, Shelley has departed for pastures new. Hi Shelley, miss you, hope you're doing alright. So now, the Wheelie Stagey podcast has become a one-woman show. I'm not going to lie to everybody, that kind of scares me right now. But I hope you'll all stick with me and continue to be entertained. Because it feels wonderful to be back and indeed at home. Some of you will remember that I had to move back home with my mum and dad when Shelley left until we found a second new PA. And then, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic happened. But life for me and my wonderful little podcat, Milo, is slowly returning to a semblance of normality. Well, as normal as life can be in the midst of a pandemic anyway. So it felt like the right time for the podcast to relaunch. And you'll also have noticed the podcast now has its very own theme music, which is I I love it dearly. I remember the first time I heard it, I just broke into a massively wide grin and just fell in love. And I hope you guys come to love it as much as I do. I'd like to say a massive thank you to the composer for the Wheelie stagey podcast, Mr. Ashley M.A. Walsh, for giving my humble little podcast the extra layer of sort of shabby sparkle that I think it thoroughly deserves. Housekeeping out of the way, Let's get down to some theatrical business, shall we? After all, that's why we're all here. I'd be remiss not to mention the fact that the COVID-19 pandemic has had a devastating impact on the arts industry and indeed the whole of the economy. I'm not disputing that, but being a theatre podcast, I wanted to shed a little bit of light on what the arts are going through right now. So, theatres closed back in March, and since then, they're, the vast majority of them are still closed, jobs have been lost, and being really honest, support from the government has been monumentally vague, scant, and very slow to say the very, very least, and be polite. And I found it so hard to be away from the theatrical community over these past couple of months because theatre is where I found my tribe and my happy place and have built up wonderful relationships with these all of these performers who I love to come and see and um support and everything so being away from that for me has been has taken quite a toll on my mental health but i dread to think what this crisis has been like and indeed will continue to be like for the foreseeable future for the thousands of dedicated freelancers so so that's people that work on stage and off to make these shows the wonderful things that they are and make the arts industry the force for good it has been and continues to be not only in my life but in the lives of all of us theatre fans so I just wanted to spend a little time giving a shout out to those dedicated freelancers and say I send my love support and solidarity always you all are very much missed you are loved and your jobs are viable. And I promise that as soon as we're able, us audiences can't wait to get back to support you. I actually vividly remember going to the theatre the weekend before Boris Johnson announced that we were going into lockdown. Where else would I be? I was at my beloved favourite Lion King. And the atmosphere was wonderful, as it always is, but I couldn't help thinking to myself, I had a really kind of sort of quiet, sort of reflective moment that was quite sad. I was thinking, I think this is going to be the last time for quite a while I am in an audience, in an auditorium like this. And lo and behold, here we are. But there have been some great steps in the right direction. So that in mind, that have been really positive. So that in mind, I would like to spend the rest of this podcast speaking with you guys about how I spent my summer. So in late August and again in September, you guys know me, I can never go to a show just once if I love it. I could be found at the glorious Regents Park Open Air Theatre. I think from my fifth time all in, including other shows, to see a very special concert staging of Sir Tim Rice's and Lord Lloyd Webber's Jesus Christ Superstar. Notice I had to say that very slowly. It usually makes me trip up so... It shall henceforth be abbreviated to JCS. Now for anybody that doesn't know, JCS is a rock opera that started life in 1970 and it's loosely based on the Gospels account of the final week in the life of Jesus Christ. Just putting this on record, it's actually my favourite Lloyd Webber score along with School of Rock. What can I say? I'm just a little bit of a rock chick at heart when I'm not being stagey. Now, this production enjoyed two sellout runs at the open air before it transferred to the Barbican last summer. And I actually saw this production three times at the open air in what I think is or still is rather, a personal best for me in the sense that um, the turnaround that I had, I remember going to see the show on a Saturday matinee, like I always do, and then fell in love with it so much that I ended up spending my Sunday firing off emails to the box office inquiring as to when they had the wheelchair space available so when I could come again um because I I just really really wanted to see it again I thought it was that good and they got back to me on the Monday and I had the tickets bought and paid for again by the Tuesday so very quick turnaround for me I think the third visit was much the same as well So needless to say, I was massively excited that it was coming back in its concert form, having also seen it once at the Barbican last summer. And let me, I just wanted to start off the show talk by talking a little bit about the casting. So this concert, as you'll hear from me later on, was special for a whole host of reasons. But one of the things that set it apart for me and what i loved about it so much was the approach to casting so the principal roles of jesus judas and mary were double classed to allow for greater flexibility in light of new rules regarding social distancing that the concert had to adhere to and the fun thing about it was you wouldn't know who you'd be getting Um, until you arrived. And before I get down to specifics about the casts I saw, I just wanted to sort sort of share a little bit on what a good idea I think this is. I think it would alleviate pressure on the cast if they're feeling unwell. And I think it would really help in terms of some of the toxicity that you sometimes see on social media if a particular performer isn't present and I felt very lucky over the course of both of my visits that I saw all six principal performers and though it was absolutely wonderful to see my original Jesus Declan Bennett who's phenomenal and my wonderful original Mary Anushka Lucas back again and of course Tyrone Huntley who. I finally see Tyrone Huntley, I should say. Um, he was off sick um, on all three of my visits. So I got to see his wonderful understudy um, Joshua Deaver smash it each time as Judas and develop so much over the, those trips. I'd like to talk to everybody about the first combination of cast that I saw because it was incredibly special it being my first theatre since March. So, Pepe Nufrio played Jesus, and I was smitten with him from the minute he started moving and sort of singing as well. I loved the direction he took the character in. I felt his take on the role was much more sort of sweet and vulnerable compared to other iterations I've seen. Um, like he is kind of really affected by what he has to go through in this show, and it has an impact on the relationships he has, particularly with Judas. More on that in a second. Like literally, literally I vividly remember the minute Pepe sort of started singing. I just had a massive smile on my face. So I was like, oh hello. You know and he got me kind of smiling and moving it and really sort of set the tone for the performance. What I one of the things that I loved was he also was his um, dynamic he had with um, Ricardo as Judas, uh, Judas even uh, more on Ricardo in a few, in a few minutes. Um, I thought the dynamic between those two was. It fascinated me it reminded me very much of the Barbican production in that in that it felt like a much more kind of mature world weary Judas trying to talk with a much younger charismatic um, Jesus who not even though he doesn't always kind of even though they butt heads he looks up to Judas immensely and is very hurt by what goes on throughout the course of the show. So that was really fascinating to watch. Um, That in mind, the confrontation um, during the Last Supper scene, which is actually one of my favourite songs in the entire score, was Electric. The two were stood apart from each other, two metres of course. Um, and they were just leaning into their mic stands, sort of trading riffs around um, with such dizzying ease and each character's sort of pain and anger were really palpable and moving. It just felt electric. And of course, as ever it is, Semine was my highlight of the afternoon. Pepe just gave it real sort of energy and he just felt like he gave everything it was really moving I clapped my hands sore and I whooped myself hoarse mask included and I was overjoyed literally I punched the air and I whooped when I saw the cast board much to the delight of the staff members who saw me to see that we would have Ricardo Afonso. Um, playing Judas. Um, Ricardo was my Judas in the Barker production and he was hands down my favourite thing about the show as it was at that time. I was kicking myself more and more as the show went on um, that that would be my only visit to see him. Um, Sort of... And I knew from the minute he kind of again like Pepe um I knew at that time the the minute he'd opened his mouth that i that I would want to see would want to see and hear him perform again, and I was like, "Oh my God, why have I booked just one trip to this version of the show and I knew I didn't mind what show it was in, I just knew that I wanted. Ricardo to continue to be a part of my theater-going life. I didn't really care what the show was, um, but to my great joy, honor, and privilege, it was this one again. And his vocal is absolutely insane, and I love the depth and the nuance he gave. He gives to the role, and the way he the way he's able to do that in quite often really subtle and intense ways like I felt that he managed to sort of say so much just with a look or his body language and again the chemistry that he had with Pepe was phenomenal. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the the ending when we talk to the staging cause because I thought the ending in particular was quite poignant. But elsewhere, true to form, as he has done previously, um, Mr David Saxton chewed up the score and ate it for breakfast. I was so happy to see the guyliner was still a part of the costume, but thrilled to see that Pilati, now, or Pilot, I should say, has um, now with added mic drops... And as we know, mic drops make everything better. I just love David's sort of presence, um, he gives to the role. And I could so sort of palpably feel the joy and the, the energy around him. Sort of like it was really obvious how much he loved being back up there singing and performing for everybody again. So that was really special. And I'd also like to give a shout out to, and I'm going to apologise in advance to you, sir, if you're listening, to Mr Ivan De Freitas, who was once upon a time one of my beloved Jafars hmm. down in Agrabah, way back when I think the the final time I saw Aladdin. Anyway, um, so it was wonderful to see Ivan again because he was chillingly brilliant as Caiaphas I'm in awe of anybody who can sing that role because it's incredibly low and really sort of atmospheric and chilling and Ivan looked like he was having a great time with it um and I'd also like to shout out to Mr Cedric Neal who I'm delighted to say has finally entered my theatre-going life in the flesh, with a brilliant and soulful, and very moving sort of take on Simon. I remember, um, not well. I should. I remember feeling a connection with Simon, um, in the show that I hadn't necessarily felt as strongly. Um, in previous outings so that was really special and I'd like to say that I was really happy to see my second Mary again Maimouna Memon she was fabulous I love the strength and the sassiness she gives to the role and particularly uh, particularly her interactions she had with Pepe at the beginning of the show were really sweet and fun to watch, even though they had to be um, socially distanced. Like they were sort of leaning in um, to each other while they were talking, and you know, just having um, giving each other like sort of sweet smiles and puppy dog eyes. It was a, it was adorable. So staging a concert like this with such a short window um to curtain up from the time that the government announced that outdoor performances could go ahead were no mean feat and what the whole team on stage and off managed to accomplish were was nothing short of astonishing. They all had to adhere to social distancing guidelines, um so there was a lot of playing obviously but they had to stay two metres apart at all time. The concert itself was staged on a set of steps that I think were reminiscent of the ones that were also used for Evita at Regents Park. So there were a lot of there was a lot of playing around with um, levels. Sometimes certain cast members would be up higher than others looking down. Like David spent a lot of his time up top looking down at Pepe. Um sort of singing and yeah so there was lots of playing around with the, um levels and some people I remember that the talk I was seeing was kind of um unsure how it would work um in light of the social distancing and I I admit I was as well um but I actually felt like a lot of the time they added something to proceedings I, I mentioned a little bit earlier about the ending to the production. And I just wanted to reiterate that again. Um, I particularly loved how it was staged in that we had Ricardo as Judas um, at the bottom of the stairs and Pepe as Jesus on the cross at the top. And the two would just share a really quiet moment where for a while, Ricardo would just be sitting at the bottom kind of looking up at Jesus and sort of reflecting on that and then as the music would go on they he would sort of slowly move up to where Pepe was and Pepe would come down off the cross slowly and take his crown of thorns off and the two just shared a really sweet kind of really sort of emotionally loaded moment that I thought was really powerful and gave me goosebumps especially with the wonderful John 1941 playing underneath it was just magical and I would just like to say a also a massive thank you to the ensemble cast as a whole for their energy and enthusiasm I was overjoyed to see that Drew McConey's stellar choreography was back, um, as was The Glitter. And David can still count to 39 like a complete rock star. And it's it's brilliant. It sounds like he's in, in an action movie. And the whole thing was... I'm going to go as far as to say it was much more than the concert. It was a full-on theatrical experience I will never forget what it felt like to be in that crowd they had a really clever nod to kind of the situation and life as it is at the moment in that when the overture started they would come on and be dancing and they'd all have face coverings on but they would remove those when the overture climaxed and the crowd went absolutely insane, and it was, it was just phenomenal. I loved it, and I was so happy to revisit it again. So thank you to each and every one of you involved. It was a really special experience, and one that I hope, given again how popular it was, they might be able to do again sometime. Watch this space. Now, if my lovely listeners will go back and listen to my opening night episode, you'll hear Shelley and I talking about a little gem of the show that came into our lives last year called Romantics Anonymous. I'm not going to talk about the show itself in any great detail because we do that in that hour, but... um. Just for a little refresher, it follows the sort of trials and tribulations of a very gifted chocolatier called Angelique, and a uh, and the owner of a struggling chocolate factory, Jean Rene. And the two kind of collide in circumstances when Angelique gets a job at Jean Rene's factory. And what she doesn't realise is that the job is not making chocolate, but selling chocolate. And she suffers with crippling social anxiety to the point where she will faint if people are looking at her. And Jean-René also has his own struggles with with anxiety as well. He spends a lot of time um, during the show listening to... Um, self-help tapes and doing yoga and things like that and it's just a wonderful sort of warm hug of a show that kind of explores identity and sort of self-worth and the relationships that people can have and how how that can be different for people if they're going um, through certain problems with their mental health and things like that. And it's all about sort of being true to yourself and finding acceptance. Now, the wonderful thing that Wise Children, um, the company that produced um, Romantics Anonymous did, was they mounted a week of live streams of the show from Bristol Old Vic um, let me get my statistics right here. So in conjunction with 33 host venues across six countries with a mammoth 10,700 tickets sold. So they would stream the show from the theatre each night. The cast and crew were in their own sort of socially distanced or sort of sort bubble. So they were allowed to perform the show um, without um, social distancing so they didn't have to keep two metres apart or anything like that. And to end that week, a special audience of 150 got to go and see the show in person on Sunday, as did I. And it was absolutely magical to be back at my local and support some familiar faces and just revisit a lovely little gem of the show and I'm hoping that the response to that will hopefully lead to bigger and better things. I remember when the show sort of premiered last year they they had plans to take it stateside of course that's not going to happen anytime soon with the pandemic and everything going on. But it's such a wonderful show and I really hope a wider audience get to um, experience it for themselves one day and not just behind a screen. And hopefully, um, cast recording anyone? I think that would be amazing. So we, ha- um, we have a cast um, that featured the likes of Carly Borden... Mark Antolin, Sandra Marvin, and the incredible Gareth Snook that I think are absolutely wonderful and should be recorded for posterity. So, wise children, if you're listening, cast recording, please and thank you. Now, one of the things about being an arts fan that this pandemic has made me realise and kept me going, actually, is the idea that there is a hunger and love for live performance. Just being in that audience, well, both of those audiences actually, at the Old Vic and at Regent's Park Open Air, reinforced that for me. And though nothing will ever compare to being in the room where it happens, it's been really wonderful to watch the industry sort of evolve and adapt to being online. So, loads of fantastic theatre has been streamed and concerts as well. And I'd like to talk to you about a couple of my favourites. So, sort of honourable mentions. So, so concert wise, for me, my favourite ones have been Declan Bennett. He did a um, one of the theatre cafes. Leave a light on slots, um, and I I remember. I think he was in his garage doing that one. That was a great gig. He um, did a lot of his own music as well as some nods to the show that um, some shows that he's been in over the years. I remember him saying vividly on the stream. That oh, I was in the musical last summer and I sort of, I got hyped up. I was like, oh my god, he's gonna sing something from, from JCS. He's actually gonna go there. And my stream cut out at that point and I, there, there, there were squeals of panic, but luckily I managed to get it working again. So that was a really good gig. Um, one of my other favourite gigs that I've seen has been another leave a, leave a Light on, actually, with Christine Allado and Luke Brady, who were currently starring, or I say currently, they were starring, before all this kicked off, in the new musical version of one of my favourite films, Prince of Egypt. I just love the variety in the music in their musical choices that they chose to play. So we had things like Roxanne and it was all very kind of soulful and uh, wonderful. And just seeing sort of the way they sort of interacted and bounced off each other was really fun. And final concert mention, I'd like to... Give give you one I saw very recently actually, I'd like to give a shout out to Miss Cassidy Jensen, who was one of my Carol Kings, who I saw over at The Old Witch in Beautiful, the Carol King musical. Um and I haven't been able to see Cassidy for a long, long time. She's currently starring in Anne Juliet, again was, um, which is a show I'm desperately hoping to see as soon as I'm able because the Twitter buzz around this show is really special and never fails to make me smile. So I loved Cassidy's, um, concert that she did as part of the Live at the Coliseum series. I've actually seen her perform in that venue, um, again last year when she did, uh, Man of La Mancha with Kelsey Grammer and Another favorite of mine, Peter Policarpo. So to be able to see her perform there again was amazing. Um, there were there was lots of Carol King in her set, some Beatles songs, some Celine Dion, but she also did an incredible version of. And I'm gonna admit something to you now. I haven't seen. This version of the film yet but she sang I'll Never Love Again from the recent movie adaptation of A Star Is Born um, with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. I believe this is the show's finale correct me if I'm wrong but that was just stunning and as I say I've yet to see it but I hope to now because it really really moved me and it was just wonderful to see Cassidy again after so long. And I hope to be able to go back and watch her in a show soon. So that's concerts for you. Theatre-wise, I've actually seen my first Alan Bennett play ever um through lockdown, which was The Madness of George III. Um, and that was originally sort of done at the Nottingham Playhouse I believe and it was the National Theatre live recording that they showed um and that is a wonderfully witty and funny but also really quite poignant and sad play in places led by the phenomenal Mark Gatiss and Adrian Scarborough as I say it was my first Alan Bennett so I wasn't um wasn't particularly sort of privy to his style of writing and I re- I really enjoy that when I've, I've been able to see things that I wouldn't necessarily choose or get to see because everything's going online um which is amazing it um and I must give my final final shout out to Stuart Matthew Price and Timothy Natmans lovely lovely show before um before after now before after came into my life in 2014 i remember being at the workshop uh performance that they did um then and it was starring Hadley Fraser which you guys will know he is my favourite leading man, and the wonderful Caroline Sheen. So, this show itself is a two hander and follows a couple, Ben and Amy. Now, Ben and Amy, um, sort of, um, you find out that they're related, but it, um, that they've had a relationship, even, but the show starts on a hillside and Amy meets Ben, but Ben can't remember who Amy is, and it's all to do with why did their relationship break down, what happened, and can they find their way back to one another, and I fell instantly in love with the show, I just think it's really, I love the idea, it's really sort of simple and sweet, and romantic, which appeals to me, being a sort of old school, soppy romantic that I am. And um, the lyrics themselves are um, really, really fun and witty. Ben has a line in one of his numbers where he decides that the success of his romantic evening, or not as the case may be, um, rests solely on his choice of shirt colour. So he's sort of deciding whether he's going to wear black or grey um, and it's just sort of really relatable and real and kind of the struggles that they go through as a couple and I really liked the fact that it kind of unfolds in sort of before and after segments. So you see their life, sort of their relationship as it was before and then as it is now and it kind of flips between the two. So yeah, that originally came into my life six years ago and just to see how it has grown and matured um in that time I know this show has a massive um following in Japan and did quite well over there. Um and I remember going to the cast album launch and it's one that I play um often and I always wanted to see it again in some shape or form. And thankfully that has happened, Um, thanks to Grey Area Theatre and the lovely little Southwark Playhouse, who gave up one of their spaces for the evening for a rehearsed sort of reading of the show, starring Hadley again, and his immensely talented wife, Rosalie Craig, hurrah for married social bubbles and it was lovely to see see how the show has kind of grown and developed in those years since I first saw it so that was that has been one of my highlights as well and I'm so chuffed for Stuart and Tim and just to see how well it was received and everything so that's another one that I'm hoping for might have a or I hope it will have a bright future post-lockdown. We'll see what the future holds. Um, And all all these wonderful sort of streamed performances in whatever shape or form they are, whether they're concerts, plays or um, musicals have really helped me kind of stay connected uh, to this industry I love so much so I remember I really really struggled when lockdown first started because it just reminded me it got too painful and it just reminded me of what I was missing but I'm really really grateful Um, that I've kind of opened up a little bit again because it's really helped me keep that connection to the industry and speaking of being connected doing this again has really helped scary as it was so that has been our first solo episode back and in the immortal words of joanne from company i'll drink to that (laughs) until next time guys bye